Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you for having me. So my name is Alex. I am a mobile dog and cat groomer in Goodyear, Arizona. I've been grooming for about seven years now, a little bit over seven years, and I've had my mobile grooming salon for over five years. I am a certified master cat groomer, and I have recently started all around pet education to educate the general public on pet care and grooming techniques and basically how to care for your pet all around, all of the needs that they require and to just properly take care of our pets. Awesome. And that is so needed. I was looking over some of your common myths that you would like to bust. Um, Do you recall what they were? I especially like the one about cats. (laughs) Yeah. So my favorite and main myth that I like to talk about is how people think that cats do not need grooming. So they think that cats groom themselves, which is most definitely not the case. Uh, So in a lot of the videos and the reels that I post, you'll see me talking about that or posting videos of me grooming cats. And I get a lot of comments of, oh, you know, why are you torturing this poor cat? Or they don't need that. They lick themselves. Uh, So you'll hear a lot of times cat groomers will say a specific saying that is, if you eat a bag of Cheetos and lick your fingers, are you clean? So you're still going to be sticky and orange and, you know, you're still going to want to wash your hands, take a shower or like, say, a bald person, for example, or someone with hair. You know, if you wash your hair, you want to get all the way down to the scalp. Cats are going to lick that top layer of hair, but they can't lick all the way down to their scalp, their, you know, their scalp and the roots of their hair. Just like a person washing their hair, you have to wash down to your roots to get your hair fully clean. So it's really important to be bathing these cats on a regular basis and you got to wash your hands and wash a cat. And it's the same thing that you would say about that. And if you see a cat with a lot of dandruff, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to want to wash your cat. So you'll see it. Your cat will show you based off of what their skin and coat looks like that they need a bath and they do need it on a consistent schedule. How often should you be bathing your cat? Right. So I get that a lot. You know, how do you groom cats? How are you able to handle them? And, you know, I've been grooming cats for seven years. So at this point, it's just been a lot of practice Um, doing the master cat groomer certification. It, you know, tells you how to hold cats properly and how to work with them. There are so many different techniques to calm them down or to move slower and make them feel more comfortable during the grooming process. Um, But as far as how often they need to be groomed, I would really suggest every four weeks, at least a bath. And a lot of people will ask me, you know, if they have dandruff, do you you have to shave them? You know, no, you don't have to shave the cat in order to get them fully clean or to get rid of the dandruff. It's literally just consistently bathing them. And even sphinx cats who are, you know, quote unquote hairless, when in reality they do have a little bit of hair, 
Um, but even Sphinx cats do need to be bathed on a regular basis. So all cats, it doesn't matter what breed or what coat they have, they all need to be groomed about every four to six weeks. Very interesting. We're hitting about twice a year. <laughs> because, <laughs> but we brush often. We do brush often. And I've gotten the little um, the wipes for them um, to like clean their paws and around their face and things like that. It's just very traumatic. And I guess I could be taking them to a groomer or if maybe Tammy wanted to take on the cats. We'll see about that. I know it's not her favorite. Looks like she's got her hand up, so she might want to chime in. What's up, Tammy? I absolutely don't want to groom your cat or anyone else's cat ever. Um, but uh, that's really interesting. This is uh, since I am not a cat groomer and I'm actually... Um, when it comes to grooming, pretty terrified of cats. Um, this is all great information. My son actually has two cats and he, you know, is like, uh, he grew up kind of in the grooming shop with me. So he does it himself, but he has asked me that how often should I bathe them? And I honestly, uh, said whenever you think they're dirty, but I didn't know the answer to that. So thanks for that information. So, um, going on to let, to veer off to dogs, I was just curious as to, um, when you're grooming dogs, what's your most favorite breed to groom and why? And what's your least favorite breed to groom and why? So there's actually two, two breeds that I will refuse to groom. Uh, I do not groom Huskies and I do not groom Cocker Spaniels. Uh, it's not because I don't like the dogs. It's because I don't like grooming the specific breeds. Uh, so for Huskies, everyone knows a Husky is going to be dramatic. Uh, and I work in a mobile van. So blowing out that coat and having all of that hair flying around. And even if I, you know, put something over my face to protect my lungs and my eyes, it's still a giant cleanup mess. It's just a big, big deal. And it takes a long time. It'll get really hot and humid in the van from having to blow dry them. And then same with cockers. So again, really, really long time to dry. They have a very thick coat. And then they're stereotypically known for, you know, always pooping on the table and having, you know, maybe dry, yeasty skin. So they're just breeds that I don't like to groom. I like them as dogs, but grooming wise, I just, I will turn them away. I just don't prefer to groom them. It's just not worth it for me. Uh, as far as my favorite breed to groom, uh, I love a pit bull. Obviously, they're easier to groom, but I just think they're sweethearts. I've never groomed a mean pit bull in my entire career. And then poodles, for sure. I actually own a standard poodle, which, you know, at the end of the day and working so long all the time, the last thing I want to do is groom my own poodle because he takes hours to groom. But I love grooming them because their coat is so easy to shape in whatever form that you want. So like the continental cuts and, you know, their top knots and their little booties. Um, my poodle right now has a top knot and booties and their tail and their ears. It's just so easy to form whatever shape that you want into their coat. So you can make it look really beautiful no matter what you wanna do, whether it's the continental or Asian fusion or whatever haircut that you or the customer wants. Uh, you can just make it look really, really gorgeous. It's really easy to work with. Um, that's so funny is that that's probably her two favorites, if I had to guess. 
and she has a <laughs> pit bull instead of having um, the poodle. So uh, my husband's family just got a, a little, it's what's the poodle that's mixed? I always want to um, say the beetle, but I know it's not that. Like a multi-poo, maybe? Well, wait, like a bigger one. For, uh, it's going to be big. I will wait for Tammy to tell me the dog's official name, but she is young and she's so sweet. And every time Tammy gets to groom her, um, she takes pictures of her like just sleeping while she's getting groomed. Aww. I'm like, <laughs> that is an easy dog to, to groom. Um, but it is a lot of work. And so I noticed that you said that's a really big misconception. It's like, you know, to a person that maybe doesn't have pets or not a, doesn't have a groomer, um, it's one of those those careers and jobs that kind of just gets passed off. Somebody's like, oh yeah, like how hard is it to like wash dogs all day? And it's so much more than that. What do you think is like the most enjoyable part of grooming dogs? Yeah, so I have had a lot of people say, oh, I should be grooming dogs. Like, I got a new van at one point because my old van, it just wasn't working properly. So I had to get a new one, which was very expensive. And one of my customers was an older gentleman, and he's like, oh, I should be grooming dogs. And it's like, you know, I had to get this new van. It's very pricey. And, I, you know, groomers are specific people, just like you have to be a certain person to be a teacher. You have to be a certain person to be a groomer. You know, it's not made for everybody, just like most jobs are not made for everybody. Um, but as far as the most enjoyable part, I really just like the education aspect. And I know, you know, you get the common, oh, you get to play with puppies all day. And yeah, sometimes I get to see some really cute animals. Uh, I went to my customer's house the other day. And she had like a you know a couple week old kitten and it was just the cutest thing i've ever seen so yeah I, I get to see some adorable animals and that is definitely an enjoyable part of the job but as you mentioned it's very difficult too so as far as enjoyable i just like telling people like how to care for their dogs and their cats like oh i have a short-haired dog he doesn't need to be groomed it's like well let me help you help your dog because these animals, they can't speak to us. They can't say, hey mom, I need my nails trimmed. They hurt when I walk. Or hey mom, my skin is really itchy. I think I need a bath. You know, they can't tell us that stuff. They can't voice their concerns to us or what they're feeling or thinking. So it's really important to me that I tell these people, you know, this is what's gonna help them. This is what's gonna make them happy and healthy. and you know, it makes you feel good to know that you're taking care of your pets properly and other people's pets properly. So I think that's definitely something that really brings me a lot of joy and I have a huge passion in doing. When did you first think of doing this? Was it just from grooming your own pet that you decided to get into it? Or um, what inspired you to start grooming? Well, I started, well, I wanted to work with animals my whole life, really. I grew up with a German Shepherd and I always begged my parents to get another animal, but I had to wait until I was older. Uh, I just always had a, a huge passion for pets and I wanted to go to school to study to be a vet. So I wanted to work at a place that would allow me to work with animals. And typically you have to be about 18 to work with dogs or cats most of most, most places. So 
I, I went around and I found a job at a grooming salon and I wasn't being paid for the job for the first four months. I just thought, you know, I'll try to get into this. And then after I learn, I'll start getting paid for what I'm doing while I go to school to become a vet. And then it just became such a, a huge passion. And I realized that I could make more out of it than just grooming at a salon. It was more than just that to me. So I saw the bigger picture in it and what I could do for pets and people. And it just kind of grew. And at that point, you know, obviously vets help people or pets as well. But I saw the grooming I had just more of a passion in. And I just really wanted to stick with that, further my education in that. And that's just where my passion laid. So once I started, I just didn't want to stop at that point. Oh, that's so awesome. That's very much like me in the coffee industry. Um, you know, it's a that's one of those careers that's similar. It's like people just dismiss it. Oh, you know, you make coffee for a living. And it's just really so much more than that. And that transpired into, you know, being a general manager and having multiple locations and all of those things. But it all started with just a passion, not only for making coffee, but I really loved customer service and I felt like I was taking care of people. The hospitality aspect was just very attractive to me. And I, I think much like uh, grooming and a lot of other uh, service industry driven uh, businesses just don't get enough uh, appreciation or recognition for when it's done correctly. I noticed that you had uh, included talking about calming techniques and taking a holistic approach. So I was wondering if we could touch on that and maybe give people like myself some tips for if you're going to be grooming at home, how can we create that good environment for them? Right. So a lot of what my goal is, is to teach obviously groomers, but at home care for pet parents. So what can you do in between your grooms? If the groomer's all booked up, what, what can you do to take care of your dog in the meantime? Because my schedule, you know, I'm booked months, months out at a time. So if I can't get you in, what can you do if you can't get into a groomer? And I take a very holistic approach to myself to take care of my own personal health. So I'm going to relay that into my grooming because I know the benefits of it. And I see how it helps me and other people and how it can help pets. So that's something that I want to incorporate in my business and what I do and my education for people and their animals. So one of the main things that I do and that you'll see on my YouTube channel, for example, is I have a few videos up there of sound healing. So sound healing is a big thing with humans. You know, we're made up of a large, large percent of us is water. So sound and vibrations really affects us and it you lifts you up and it makes it heals you by those vibrations. And the same thing works for dogs and cats. So if I have a really nervous animal in my van, I'm gonna play some music for them and it's gonna heal them and it's gonna help. Just for example, cats purring is actually, that vibration is actually healing to humans. It can heal our joints and pain that we have. And that vibration that dogs hear and feel in the grooming van or salon is going to be just the same. They're going to have the same effect that it's healing and it's going to make them emotionally and physically feel better. And same thing with really anxious dogs that 
a lot of people put on certain medications for grooming. I have a lot of clients that want to put their animals on medication because they think that, you know, oh, Fluffy's really anxious at the groomer. He needs to be on this medication. I don't personally like taking medications. I would rather take a natural supplement. So I always recommend like a CBD oil, but also a lot of times that can confuse them and they're going to be like, you know, a little drugged up and you know, what's going on? Why am I feeling this weird way in this weird place? So I like to try grooming both ways. I'll recommend trying it with the CBD oil and without to see what that specific pet does better with at the time. And sometimes it's easier for me to calm them without a CBD oil or without any drugs because then they're more in it and they can see that I'm there to comfort them and talk to them. And that really does affect them. So going really slow has a big effect on animals. Like If I groom like normal on this dog that's going to bite me, he's going to freak out and bite me. But if I move in slow motion and I take my time, he's not going to bite me. So there's a lot of things that you can do. And it's very, the tough part is it's very specific to each pet. So you really have to learn what is most comfortable for them. And also along with like my fear-free certificate, that's a lot about learning how to work um, with anxious and stressed pets as well. I really love that. And I used to work in a high volume shop as well. And most of the time, um, I mean, you have your good dogs and then you have your anxious dogs and all that stuff. But that versus what I'm doing now as private grooming with only one dog, it's such a world of difference. And I did know about the, um, the sound healing music. And so my dog, is a pit bull and he is okay for the bath doesn't like me to wash his face um but but the music actually really does help that is a fact and i love that approach that you have for that i brought up uh alan's mom's dog and i it's not just a poodle right what's her dog that's a labradoodle she's awesome she falls asleep on the table she's great <laughs> the labradoodle i was i told alex i was like it's like a poodle but not fully i was like i want to say shadoodle but i know that's not a thing <laughs> that's the word for poop so not a poop dog <laughs> okay so we went through calming um i guess you know it, this would be a great place to take it to uh talking more about like the education you offer because i did read that you're starting to have or you want to have more of series and basically like classes. So uh, if you could just kind of include what you have going on there and what it offers, what the goals are, who the class is for, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I am doing the short reels mini podcasts on my Instagram and we'll be posting them on the Facebook page as well. Eventually those will turn into longer podcasts like you guys are doing and my classes. So I am currently working on creating the first class, which will hopefully be posted within the next month or so. And the first class is a nails, eyes, ears, and teeth class. So it's going to go over all of the basics on how to properly trim nails, grind nails, nail caps on cats, 
why nail care is important, the benefits of nail care and the side effects of not taking care of their nails. Uh, same with the eyes and the ears, how to spot, you know, infections, how to take care of them in between grooms, how what products to use at the grooming salon uh, and their teeth, how to take care of their teeth in between grooms, how to properly care, how to spot, you know, issues that may be inside of their mouth, what this causes outside of just mouth issues, because we all know that that can cause other internal issues. So this class is going to come along with a certification, just like many other classes do, uh, like how I got my fear-free certification. Uh, you know, you take an online class and then at the end you earn that certificate and showing that you completed this class and you now have gained this knowledge and you know more of, you know, the subject that you have been taught. So the class is specifically for groomers and pet owners. So as I go on and I create more classes, some of them will be specified towards groomers and some of them will be specified towards pet owners. But my specific class that I'm looking to put out soon for the nails, eyes, ears, and teeth is for both because I think it's very important for both owners and groomers to know how to properly care for all of those things. Those things aren't things that should just be done at the grooming salon. It's important that owners know how to do that stuff in between grooms. If you can't get your dog into the groomer, you know, if your dog's getting really bad eye boogers, you need to be able to help your dog and get that out, you know, every two weeks or so. So they're not getting eye infections and, you know, things in their eyes that are, aren't good for them. So I think it's really important for just the general public to have this type of information. So it's more of a general class for my very first one that's going to be coming out soon here. Very good. That's exciting. Do you, you need to brush your cat's teeth? Yes. So cat teeth care is just as important as dog care. And I have a lot of people who, you know, oh, can you brush my dog's teeth? Yeah, absolutely. I can brush your dog's teeth. But, you know, if you brush your dog, if you brush your teeth once a month, you know, how beneficial is that going to be for you? And it's not just specified towards dogs. This is important for cats, too. So one of the main products that I recommend is Tropiclean, uh, either their foaming or their gel. And they have the gel specifically for dogs and cats. They're separate gels, uh, but they do have a gel for cats as well. And it doesn't require any brushing. You just squeeze it right into their mouth. It's what I do with my pets. And I recommend this product specifically because I know that it works because I use it on my own animals. And you just, you know, put the gel in their mouth once a day and it keeps their teeth nice and clean or even removes some plaque if it, their teeth aren't too bad. Um, but yes, cat's teeth need to be taken care of just as much as you would care for a dog's teeth or your own teeth. Did you see my shocked emoji? I don't think I've ever thought about that for my cat. My poor cat, please don't call CPS cat, <laughs> cat patrol on me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Where, where are you cats? Come here, <laughs> but I did write that down. I am going to look into that because I do want to take good care of them. Uh, but apparently I haven't been, but that's okay. They do get lots of pets and brushes. So they love me very much. Anyways, they're a little wild, I guess. <laughs> 
But yeah, that's the thing is like, people just don't know, like, how would you know better unless somebody told you, you know? So that's what I'm here for is I'm here to educate people because it's not your fault that you don't know, or it's not their fault that they don't know. And so how are you going to know unless somebody, you know, helps you or educates you on something? Absolutely. And that is 100% the purpose of our podcast. Most of the time is education based. And while we might know a little about the subject or one of us might know more, like Tammy knows more about grooming, uh, we're here to just ask the question. Tammy, you still with us? You have a question for Alex? Um, I really love the idea of the um, pet education, especially focusing on nails, because as you know, I'm sure that that's like the most common question of that you get. And so I, um, I think it's great that you're doing that for the owners as well as the groomers, um, especially new groomers, because then they are able to transfer that information onto their clients. And going back to um, what the question I asked you before about your most and least favorite, and I'm right there with you. People say, oh, I know somebody with a Husky. And I'm like, it starts at 200 <laughs> because I don't want to do it. Um, uh, the Cockers, yeah, I haven't done one in my own private salon, but yeah, I feel you on that one. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of uh, you know, I love them, but I'm not a huge fan of grooming pugs either, just for the nail's sake. There, it's like trying to uh, wrestle a giant bowling ball. Oh, I know. I wanted to ask you about the future. So starting the starting the classes and the education for and having kind of those categories, where do you hope to take your business in the future? So my hopes for my business and the education aspect of what I'm doing is I really look at it as a bigger picture. So I'm not just looking to help people in my city or my state. I want to help people worldwide because worldwide there's pets, right? Everyone in the world owns dogs and cats. So I really want to take it in the bigger picture. I want to go to seminars. I want to go on, you know, a bunch of podcasts and sell classes around the world. And, you know, my classes are going to be accessible worldwide and, you know, send out brochures and just see it as that something bigger, something that I can go around and travel the world and show people what I know and help them to learn more and to help other people. You know, if I help someone and educate them, then they can use that education and that knowledge to go educate others. So I want it to be like a snowball effect where everybody is educating each other and helping each other. And all of these dogs and cats around the world are just having the best possible care that they can receive. That's awesome. I love that you're thinking big and that you want to take it all the way. I definitely foresee all of that happening. You know, even the mobile grooming. So a lot of people will start their individual mobile grooming, but with the classes and, and partnering that with mobile grooming, I mean, that's essentially a franchise you can sell to people just like, um, so not in the grooming world, but like in Aveda, like the hair school, you go for that training and then you're, you're certified to open like an Aveda salon and things like that. You can kind of purchase into that franchise. So um, I love that you're thinking big. That is so awesome. 
something I would love to ask you is how are you so good at speaking and don't use any filler words? Cause me and my sister are constantly working on that for our podcast. <laughs> I definitely do the best that I can. Uh, just lots of practice, just consistently trying to work on myself and kind of be in that arena of just constantly working on it. But I appreciate that very much. You know, clearly we talked about the cat bathing and the consistent consistency of getting your cat bathed and groomed and to help with that overall skincare. But it's important that people know that for all breeds of dogs too, because I mentioned earlier about short haired dogs like pit bulls, for example. Um, and I have one on my Instagram channel as well about how I talk about there's, you know, two types of owners. The one type of owner that is like, oh, I have a short haired dog. They don't need to be groomed. And then I have the other owner that has a short haired dog that gets them groomed every two weeks like clockwork. So it's important to also get your short haired dogs groomed, even if they have almost no hair at all, just like I mentioned about the Sphinx. It's important for overall care just to take your dog to the groomer because we're gonna look at their ears, their eyes, their nails, their teeth, their skin. We're gonna see things that maybe pet owners don't see. So when I groom a dog, I am scanning that entire dog and I have the velocity dryer. So on dogs that have longer hair, that velocity dryer spreads that hair apart. So I can see everything on that skin. So I can see if there's fleas, ticks, maybe new bumps. I have told owners about certain bumps on their dogs that they didn't know was there. Maybe they're not petting that dog in that certain spot. So I let them know and they take it in and maybe they find out it's cancerous. And, you know, I've seen over the years, many groomers save dogs lives by noticing these things and telling the owner and then the owner taking them to the vet or um, the teeth care. So you notice the dog has, you know, red gums or really infected teeth. They take their dog in. Well, you just save that dog from all these kinds of diseases from inside of their body because you know that dog is constantly swallowing and eating all that gunk on their teeth so you just saved this dog from that kind of issue so whether you know you want to bathe your dog at home that's okay but i really suggest taking them to a groomer even if you don't think they need it even if they're not super dirty or they're short-haired or whatever the reason may be, we might see things that you don't see and we might catch something that you might not catch. So I just think it's all around important to, you know, take the classes and educate yourself and take your dog to the groomer because like I said, you know, they can't tell us what they're feeling and thinking and we don't always see it. So sometimes we just need that different perspective and to really just make sure we're caring for them so we catch these things early on. Oh, that is an excellent point because I think we did skip over the, the doggy bath thing. So that basically can save you um, a lot of time and money and problems uh, for your dog. So it's like getting a little a little mini checkup, you know, are you seeing something? That's awesome. When you're selecting uh, a new groomer or a groomer for your pet, what do you think are some of the key things to look for that would be pluses? And can you give us any red flags? Like if a groomer is doing X, Y, Z, or answers this question incorrectly, um, maybe you should consider looking elsewhere. 
Um, I would really just look for groomers that honestly have certifications because I recently asked, someone asked me this and they said, you know, is this CPR and first aid certification necessary? And absolutely it's necessary. I think any knowledge at all is important. Knowledge is power. And we, it being in the industry, should want to know everything we could know. That's why I became a master cat groomer is because if I'm going to be grooming cats consistently, you know, I want people to trust what I have to say. I want to be knowledgeable in my career. And the more knowledgeable you are, the more that person is going to trust you to take care of their pet. So a really good example is if you take, you know, your car to the shop and the person doesn't know what kind of car you have or oh, what year is this or what kind of car and, you know, what's this problem? Let me go look it up really quick. You know, you're probably not going to trust that person so much with your car. But if you go in there and they're like, oh, yes, this is a 2012 Ford Mustang. And, you know, you know, you just know everything. And this is the problem with the engine. You're going to trust that person. And yes, take care of my car. So the more knowledge that somebody has is so beneficial and important. You want that person that knows what they're talking about, that has went that extra step to gain that knowledge because it shows that they care. It shows that they're one step above the rest because they actually care to take care of your pet more. They went that extra step so you have the better care for your pet. So your pet gets the best you know, nail trimming and the best bath and the best haircut. And I just think that that's really important to look for, even if it might seem like a meaningless certificate to certain people. I still just think that all around knowledge is power and it's important to learn everything you possibly can. Uh, so I would just look out for people that have knowledge and I wouldn't stray away from new groomers. I, I started my grooming business only two years into grooming and I had a lot of knowledge. I knew more about grooming than gr people have been grooming for seven years at the time. So I wouldn't stray away from people who haven't been in the industry super long. I would just look at what do you know? What breeds do you consistently work on? And do you have a specialty? And what is your specialty? And what do you know about it? So I would really just look for that in a groomer, ask them questions. And, you know, I've had people ask me questions all the time and it doesn't bother me at all. You know, they look at me like, oh, how old are you? You look really young. But I don't think that that always matters. And I don't think it makes a difference. I could have been grooming since I was 10 years old and I could be way more knowledgeable than other people. So I just think that it really is dependent on the specific person and just learn your groomer and, and give them a chance because the more that we see you and the more we see your dog, we're going to be able to help you. Um, you know, you see a dog one time, you get the haircut wrong and they leave. Well, you know, why did you know, tell me, talk to me, say, oh, I wanted the face longer. Okay. Well, I'm going to put that in my notes and I'm going to, next time I'm going to trim the face longer. So communication is super, super important all around. No matter what it's about with your pet, I would just communicate very openly with your groomer and vice versa. I have had some people, you know, I say, hey, has your dog ever had a seizure? And then the dog almost has a seizure in my van and they have to come out to the van and, you know, take their dog because, you know, the dog is too stressed out. And then later on in that conversation, they say, oh yeah, she had a seizure three years ago. Okay, well, I asked you for a reason because I can take different precautions to make sure this dog doesn't have that. So 
Just as much as you want to know about your groomer, we need to know about your dog. We need to know this stuff so we can take precautions and we can help you and do the best that we can because we're educating each other at that point. I know you're not a vet and we're not giving out medical information, but what's your stance on pet vaccines? I just recently, I'm not a fan of them personally, um, but I recently learned that a rabies shot only needs to be given once every three years. And there's also something called a teeter test to make sure you're not over vaccinating your pets. And then also the last thing is you can request to your vet, you can request a mercury-free rabies vaccine. So those are things that I just learned, um, and I just wanted to know, um, are you knowledgeable on that, and what is your take on it? So I did know about the rabies vaccine and how it only needs to be given once every th three years. So I did know that. The teeter test and the mercury um, not having the mercury in the rabies shot, I was not aware of. I don't know much about that kind of stuff. So I don't want to speak on something I don't have a ton of knowledge on. Um, but I am for, you know, vaccinating your pets if it's necessary. Um, like I'm for neutering and spaying pets as well. Um, my dog, I know, only had, you know, one testicle. So if I didn't neuter him, then he had more chance of getting testicular cancer. So that's something that was important to me to get him neutered. Um, but as far as like vaccines go, I don't think I have enough knowledge on that specific subject to make a solid statement. Um, but I did know about the rabies vaccine every three years. Yeah, this is something that um, a friend of mine, she has been um, very well versed on vaccines for people as well as pets for years and she started kind of you know teaching me about stuff with the pets and i actually adopted my dog as a puppy he was born in the pound and so he came fully vaxxed and fixed at six weeks old and then once he started having some behavioral issues and i asked a trainer they said well they fixed him way too young and that's when i started really kind of diving into um getting more knowledge about pet vaccines. So it was just uh, a random question that I wanted to ask. And um, that is something that I definitely hope to learn from another podcast guest that we do have coming on soon. And um, so I hope you, uh, you're able to listen to that one. Yeah, I have actually heard a lot about the neutering too young. So I learned that when I got my standard poodle, uh, I had to wait until he was, if I remember properly, it was over a year. It was in between a year and two years old is when I got him neutered um, so their bones can fully develop. So I I did know a little bit about that. Uh, and I will definitely be listening on, on that podcast you guys have coming up so I can gain more knowledge on that. Um, so it's definitely something that I would like to learn about. Um, but yeah, it's important that if you want to get your dogs neutered or spayed to do your research, um, because obviously we want their bones to fully develop and we don't want to have those negative effects later on. So yeah, I would be definitely listening to that podcast for sure. Yeah, my dog is, he's really tall. I wonder how big he would have actually got if he didn't, if he wasn't neutered. Um, so that's like really interesting to kind of think about. Um, not that I want him to have puppies or anything, but 
uh, you know, it's like once something's done, it's done. And you always kind of worry about that. I'm not worry about it, but think about that. And I know you want to, your real focus and your passion is educating people. So at what point did you kind of sit down and say, let me figure this out and how I can put all this information out there and offer classes and everything? Because I do know that you are fairly young and I hope that people listen to this podcast that are your age or even younger and get some inspiration to want to do something similar or something, educate people on something that is their passion. So could you give any advice to people that are, you know, looking to do something and you, you know, how did you figure it out? How did you go about doing it? Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite things uh, to talk about because I had a very rough start uh, in, in life and my business. Um, when I started out grooming, I had a, my vans was constantly breaking down. I had so many issues. It was like the universe didn't want me to work, but I just kept pushing through. And if a lot of people looked back at my story, they, I'm sure they would be in shock that I didn't give up. I'm in shock that I didn't give up. So I just, in life, you, I've learned that you just got to keep pushing. And I started my business when I was 19 turning 20 and yeah, a lot of people looked at me like, Ugh, how old are you? Like, can I trust you with my dog? And now when I groom and it takes me, you know, 40 minutes to groom a dog, they look at me like, did you do everything? Did you finish it? It's like, you know, I've been doing it for a very long time that, you know, my speed has gotten faster. I have my routine down. Um, so, you know, I'm, I might be faster than other people and, you know, being fast and slow, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, but as I started to grow my business, and I think it took me about a year and a half to two years to gain a very solid clientele where I was consistently booked out. Um, so, you know, through all that time, you got to keep that hope and realize that things take time. You know, it took me a year, a, a year and a couple months to get monetized on YouTube. Um, so I think that we live in a society that's very you know, quick to want things. So they want it now, right? You want quick money, you want fast cash and a quick validation. And I think that that's the kind of the society that we're in right now. But I think one thing that's really important to realize is that success of all things takes time and to just not give up. And once I started seeing my business grow, you know, I started out just wanting to groom, just wanting to own my own business. And then as it got larger, you know, you start to think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm kind of making a difference right now. Like I'm, I'm doing something, I'm getting somewhere. And that, that right there is motivation for me. Um, so once you see it, you want to do more, right? So I want to groom more dogs. I want to hire somebody. Like I had an employee at one point I wanted to, you know, have like, um, you guys said earlier, like a franchise, I wanted to grow and, you know, do more. I, you know, I felt bad turning people down. So you want to not say no to people. So you want to hire someone to take more dogs or you work longer hours or extra days to take the dogs and you just see yourself growing and you want to do more. Um, so I've been wanting to do the classes and education aspect of the business for quite some time now. I wouldn't say the entire time I've owned my business, um, but for the past year or two. And I just realized that, you know, as I was growing, you know, oh my gosh, I, I can make a difference. I, I can do this. I 
continuously growing and I don't want to stunt my growth at all. You know, I, I have potential in myself that I see and I think I can make a difference in the world. So once I noticed that I, you know, you think and think, you know, what can I call this business? And, you know, once I found out what I was going to call my classes and my educational aspect of everything, I just feel like it fell together. Once I found out the name, I created the Instagram, I started making the podcast, I'm talking to you guys and everything just started to fall together. So uh, the thing that I would say to people around my age or even younger is it is so possible. And I'm one of those people that, you know, I hate to say it, but you don't have to go to college. I, I went to college. I went to college a lot, actually. And none of that benefits me. And I have a salary that I'm very proud of. And I don't think that's something that, you know, kids are taught. Like, you know, you have to go to a, a school. And you know, I think trade schools are just as wonderful. You know, trade is something that is very beneficial. So I think that that's an all around um, important thing to look at. I definitely agree. And I know Tame and I carry that same mentality about um, following your passion, about trying new things, um, because we could have, you, you could start anything and it not work out, but it's meant to teach you. And I think you don't get that experience by going to college. Of course, going to college for some careers in particular, but I totally stand behind the movement of be bringing trade schools back um these these skills that are that are needed like grooming like <clears throat> it's it's just very important it's very important we have to take care of the world around us and education aspect of what you're doing i really do appreciate it because i feel like that's the biggest thing that we should be doing in life and our adulthood is one never stop learning and two never stop teaching my sister and i are so similar when it comes to it if we learn something we want to just give that information to somebody else which is another aspect as to like why we created the podcast we're like well if we want to learn about it other people do too so let's interview people and ask a bunch of crazy questions and see where it goes and the more we've done it we've been podcasting for over a year now it's gotten better, it's gotten more enjoyable, we've gotten a flow down, and things do come together when you are really passionate about it. So that was excellent inspiration. What you got, Pam? I am, I'm just so impressed with you. Like, I really, really love your, like, go-getter attitude, and I think that you, you know, followed up with that answer so, beautifully and um i really can't wait to put this podcast out so um you can just keep inspiring people from a different platform it's just great and we did mention our pet series podcast on like twitter which my sister is very active on and they had so many people that were excited um and so i can't wait to have you on there as a guest speaker and be ready for the questions because you know you know people always have tons of questions for you know gr people that are in the animal industry in general you know they kind of look at like oh you know everything about pets so um that's gonna be fun and you're right about everything that you mentioned just like my sister said we have 
you know, kind of like the same outlook on that same thing. And, um, you know, I have a son and he's 23 and he is an amazing kid. He is definitely a go-getter, very successful in his own right, um, following every dream that, you know, he's thought of as a kid, you know, he's just pursuing and pursuing. And um, with that being said, like, there's a lot of people that are a little bit older that are so hard on the younger generation. And in some aspects, I'm like, yeah, I could see that, you know, I see it from both sides. But also, you know, I have a great go-getter kid. And then there's young people like you, which is just amazing. And um, yeah, that's all I want to say. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of my customers that say, you know, you know, how old are you? And I tell them and they're like, oh, my kids that age, I wish they would get up and do something. So I get it. I see both sides. I know a lot of people that, you know, work really hard like me and I see people that don't, but you're going to have that at really any age. I feel like, you know, you're going to have older people that are like that. You're going to have younger people that are like that. So I think that's not something that, you know, the older generation should look down upon because we still exist, you know, <laughs> as a young person who, you know, is 25 and who started their business at 1920, you know, we exist. And I, it's like you said, it's something I'm really passionate about. And I've wanted to speak about for a long time is, you know, coming from such a hard place and now being in such an amazing place. It's like, I want to show people that, Hey, it's possible even at a young age, even at any age, it's possible. And it's something that I'm just so, so, so passionate about. And I definitely look forward to the whole Twitter thing. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> People get very uh, strong opinions about this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, the whole podcasting thing with other people is a little new for me. So I hope that I can be of some assistance and give some good advice. Oh, it's totally, it's just like a conversation like this. And if anybody gets out of line, don't worry, my sister will handle it. Um, you know, but the people on there that are part of our spaces are generally very kind people, you know, and, um, you know, they, they're, they're in the same realm of, oh, this is new. I want to learn. So they typically don't come in hard on anything and you know we're not talking politics on this space so it should be fine it should be totally fine and i think that um i just i really can't wait to you for you to come on there give your spiel and spread your knowledge and then tell them how old you are just in case there's people on there that have that outlook on the younger generation i think in this case it makes a huge positive impact so that's why I really would like you to tell people your age when you come on the Twitter. Yeah, for sure. And you'll be welcome to invite people to the people that have been asking you questions. Once we have the date and time set up, you can go ahead and like actually send them, um, you know, a copy of like the flyer and just say, you know, I hope to see you there. You know, especially the person that's always asking you questions, be sure to invite them so they can actually have a little bit more of a conversation with you. Some of your favorite followers. I think that that would be really, really awesome. And if things are not always agreeable, of course, on, on the topic of grooming, I mean, I guess. Uh, at some point in time that could be disagreeable. I think uh, the internet, especially like YouTube, um, if you're posting like, this is how I do X, Y, Z, it seems like there's always a know-it-all 
in the comments contradicting what you're saying. Um, and that can even be kind of difficult to deal with. Do you find that you face that um, frequently? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think more so now that I have um, a little bit more of a following on YouTube, I have a very specific video out that has many more views than my other videos. And it's about me trimming a cat's nail that has impaled the pad. And I have had so many comments of, oh, she cut the pad. Did you see that? And I, I, did, I didn't cut the pad. Um, you can clearly see it in the video, but everyone has their own perspective. And then I have a lot of comments of, oh, you're not supposed to clip cat's nails. Why are you doing that? Don't clip their nails. And you're not supposed to clip their nails. That's like cutting a human's fingers off, someone said specifically. And it's like, to me, well, no, clipping a cat's nails is like clipping a human's nails. You know, clipping a human's nails would be equivalent to declawing a cat. Sure, I could see that because declawing a cat is essentially cutting off the tips of their, you know, their toes or their paws. So, but just clipping a cat's nails is equivalent to a human fingernail. So, you know, that's why I want to do this is to educate because those people clearly haven't done, you know, much research and they're just kind of spewing out information that they think is correct. Um, but I just, you know, would like to speak to them. And I can't always comment on every single comment, especially when there's such an abundance of them. So um, it's better for me to, you know, put out a video kind of addressing it as a general sense more, more so. Yeah, that's smart. And that might, <laughs> you know, the more views, the better. Um, and so I'm, I personally am against declawing cats. Um, I always, from the, I got my cat from the rescue, the first one, and then the second one I found in my backyard. No mama, no brothers and sisters. I really have no idea how this kitten got in my backyard, um, but we did take him in. His name is Sushi. And, um, uh, you know, that, that topic kind of came up with my, with my husband because we really don't want cat scratching on your furniture and all of these things. Um, but I was just like, no, I'm against it. One is I've seen so many kind of like horror stories about the, the claws growing inside of the cat. Um, like, you know, basically like an ingrown toenail um, and how painful that would be for them. And I always think about in the emergency event of like they get out and the cat needs to be able to protect themselves. And to do that, they need to be super fast and have claws. 100%. I'm like, I would never want to just take the animal's protection away. Right. Absolutely. And one thing that I love is declawing cats is actually illegal in many places now. So even if you wanted to, you can't. You, It's illegal. You don't have the option to declaw in a lot of places. And there's alternatives, you know, that are super important to look at. So one thing that I offer a lot is nail caps. And nail caps work. They last four to six weeks. And, you know, it's important to care for them. I have that in my class and, you know, post about that, uh, about caring for the nail caps to make sure they don't have ingrown nails with those and all that information. But that is a great alternative to get them to not scratch on your furniture or to scratch you. Um, but yes, I love that declawing is now illegal in many places. So that is not even an option anymore because it is definitely an inhumane thing. Um, you know, sometimes, like you said, we might get cats from a shelter or something that are already declawed and there's nothing that we can do about that. But uh, going forward, the laws on that have changed. So now we can all, all do better and have that knowledge going forward.
Oh, that's good to know. You see how actually far I got into the thought of declawing the cats. That was just my two stances. It's like, I've already seen horror videos and that's like taking away an animal's right to protect themselves. So no, I didn't even have to search it. Okay, Alex, if you had one minute to speak to the entire world and had their attention, what would you say? Oh boy. That's a tough one. Um, just one minute. I think that if I had one minute to speak and educate people, I would say something along the lines of, you know, it, look at it from a different perspective. And if you had no voice and you couldn't speak, you would still want someone to gain the knowledge on how to take care of you properly. So the dogs and cats that can't speak to us, um, it's important to, if you're going to own a pet, that you know what you're doing and you do your research and you're taking care of them properly because you own pets to love them. We own them to love them and we own them to love us and to care for them and to have them in our lives. And we should be taking the proper precautions and gaining that knowledge to give them the best possible lives that they can have because they're where we are their lives and that they all they have is us. So it's so, so, so important to give them that, that utmost care and love that they can have. Okay, Alex, thank you so much for coming on today. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and we're looking forward to your upcoming Twitter space. So you guys stay on the lookout for that. Turn your notifications on for Louisiana sister squad podcast and the name of my page is AA Pet Education or All Around Pet Education. Turn your notifications on and be sure to connect with Alex for all your pet grooming needs and your go-to groomer tip spot. Thanks again for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, guys. It has been a pleasure and I really appreciate you having me on and letting me speak about what I know. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.